So I feel like we need to have a little family meeting this morning. For some of you, you just got really anxious inside. Did anybody grow up having family meetings and when an adult you know, family member would call a family meeting? Yeah, you knew it was bad, right? Like Nobody was like, let's have a family meeting. We're going to Disney World, right? That was never the family meeting. Um, but we're in this last week of this series called Real Talk, as I mentioned earlier, and um, you know, it's been interesting, the response from people um, around this series, because uh, we've talked about some pretty heavy topics, some very serious and very complex, and we've really just been able to skim the surface um, of each of these uh, issues each week um, that we've been discussing. And I know some of the thoughts and, and some of the responses from people have been, why, why would you want to talk about these issues? Why would you want to talk about these topics, especially in a place like church? And uh, the answer is, I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about these issues. I don't want to talk about these topics, right? It's not like I'm sitting at home, you know, thinking to myself, oh man, how can I work this in? You know, when do I get to talk about sex and pornography? I just, I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's, you know, everybody loves that topic and, and it's not awkward at all to talk about it in a public space, um, you know, or when do we get to talk about suicide and depression? I'm just, man, I'm just pumped to talk about that. And uh, even somebody who serves on one of our serve teams, he's, he's been working on pulling some quotes out of our messages and putting some graphics to them so we can post them on online and on social media. And he was like, dude, I couldn't come up with a thing with the depression and suicide. He's like, I, it just made me sad, the whole message, I'm sorry. And I was like, exactly. I mean, nobody, if you and if we have any pastors here, or maybe pastors who might be watching online, I don't know why you'd be watching online if you're a pastor, because there's a lot of pastors you can watch online, and I'm probably not one you should. But if you are, and you are excited to talk about these, you need some help. If you're the one who's excited, and, and you can't wait to get up and talk about these. So it's not like, you know, I just, I just had to, to get up here, and we had to talk about these but I do feel like we needed to talk about these. And if church is not a place where we can be honest and talk about serious issues that don't get talked about a lot um, in any sphere that we're in, um, then we're probably doing something wrong as a church. And so <clears throat> why would we want to talk about this? I, I do appreciate the feedback from those who have expressed their appreciation for why we're focusing on these topics and these issues. And this morning's topic, today's, today's issue that we're talking about centers around um, drug use, alcohol use. Again, not one that I'm super excited um, to talk about, but one that I think we need to talk about because um, for several different reasons. First of all, when you look at the statistics, um, the New York Times actually did a big uh, research project and, and they pulled um, autopsies and death certificates. Um, they pulled millions and millions between uh, 1999 and 2014. And what they found was that uh, the death rate from overdose of both uh, prescription and illegal drugs uh, was five times greater in 2014 than it was in 1999 for young white males between the ages of 24 and 35. And so when you look at the research and you look at what's going on uh, in the world around us, I think we, we, we miss out if we don't talk about the topics um, that we see in the world around us. 
um, when we, we have to try to be relevant as God's people. And again, I, I'm sure all of you come in here with different thoughts and different beliefs, and we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But um, you, may, you may not believe any of the, the things that are said in the Bible. You may not believe anything about God. Um, and maybe you're just here because um, somebody drug you here, you know, speaking of drugs. That's your drug problem. Somebody keeps dragging you to church, and you got drugged here by a family member or a friend. And uh, if you are here, I'm just glad you're here, whatever the reason, whatever you believe. I'd rather you be here than, than anywhere else uh, in the world, actually, this morning. And for those of you who are um, checking us out online, same, I'd rather you be here than, than anywhere else. So um, this, this topic of drug and alcohol use, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it was because unlike some of the, the other topics um, that we've covered in this series, this one especially um, has to do with my personal story. So it's a, an opportunity for me to share a little bit of my story um, with those who have not heard it, and it might be helpful for you to better understand why I come at certain uh, topics and why we cover certain topics the way that we do uh, in this space. And so when it comes to, to my story, I was actually born basically in the United Methodist Church. I mean, when, when I was born, my parents went to church every Sunday. They went every time the doors were open, uh, anytime there were activities for children or for students, uh, we were there. And my parents served in every area of leadership in the church um, that you could serve on um, in their roles. And so church was a big part of our lives growing up. And I came to believe that that's, that's just what you did, is, is that you went to church. And so we went to church um, all the time. And that was a normal part of life for me. But there came a point um, when there were other things in life that were normal for me also. And nothing really had priority. It was all just a bunch of compartments. And so I played a lot of sports growing up as well. Um, so, you know, I was, I was one person on the field I was another person at church, I was another person at school, and I, and I figured out who I needed to be in each of those areas and in each of those compartments. And I was a different um, person when I was at church. But I never really caught on to the main concept of church and what church is. To me, it was, it was an institution, it was an organization, it was something that um, if you were reared in the suburbs and you were white and you were wealthy like I was, um, it was just something else you did. You, you went to Boy Scouts, you went to church, you played sports, um, you went to school, and it, it was all on the same level for me growing up. And so because it was all on the same level, um, I, I never had one allegiance over another. And ultimately, my allegiance was to my group of friends. And I think for so many students in elementary school and then into middle school and high school, um, that becomes your story too, is that your allegiance um, winds up being to your group of friends really above all else. And so when I was um, a freshman in high school, actually when I was in middle school, I had a really good friend. Um, his name was Andrew. We kind of became best friends. Um, and Andrew and I would hang out a lot. Uh, Andrew's who also went to church. He was Catholic, and his family was, they were very devout, and, and they were in church all the time. Um, and he went through all of those classes, much like in the 
tradition of the United Methodist Church. Uh, there were lots of classes that you attended, all of which I had gone through. We call it confirmation. Um, the Catholics call it something else, but it's very similar. I had gone through all of that. And <clears throat> unfortunately, another one of Andrew's really good friends and one of his next-door neighbors who was a couple years older than him um, got into dealing drugs. And because our allegiance was really to our group of friends, naturally there was a new influence in Andrew's life. And because Andrew and I were really good friends, naturally there was a new influence in my life. And so we figured out how we could get very heavily involved. And there were, there were several other friends of mine at the time. We were kind of a close group. And we would hang out regularly And we found ways in which we could operate in this world of um, using alcohol, using drugs regularly and pretty heavily, but then also navigating these other spheres of life. So we were doing great in school because we knew that was the expectation. We were doing great on the ball field, on the courts, because we knew that was the expectation. But we almost had this other life. And so our parents had no idea Um, The other people in our lives had no idea, but we pretty regularly um, engaged um, in heavy use of alcohol, and access was really never a problem for us. Um, We could always find it whenever we wanted it. Um, You know, the same was true with uh, most drugs, actually. Um, We never had a problem with access uh, to finding drugs uh, whenever we wanted. And um, that was just the life that we, we learned to live for a couple years. And so to me, I had these, again, these compartments, and I would just get into these uh, different compartments in life and and reside in those when I needed to be in that compartment and then come out of it. And what I didn't realize was that there was an identity forming in me during this time of life. We were very young. Um, This was early, early teenage years. And there was one morning in particular where it all kind of came to a head, Um, Andrew and I and a couple of other friends, uh, we were actually um, using some drugs before school, which was a regular occurrence for us. Um, And this one particular morning, uh, these gentlemen came up on us. They were in uh, regular clothing, but it turns out that they were undercover police. And um, we were arrested that day. And uh, our parents were called, obviously. And it was amazing for me. I had not until that moment thought about what would happen if we got caught. It had never crossed my mind. And it was almost a surprise to me that, that they were going to call my parents. Like that, I was like, do you have to do that? I mean, you, you sure about that? Really? Can't we just keep this between us? I mean, come on. And uh, I still say it was probably the worst day of my life when uh, my mom, and I, now as an adult, I think back to it and I just wonder what, what went through their minds. They had no idea. What, what did they tell their coworkers? Like, I have to leave work to go pick up my son who's been arrested and expelled from school. Um, anyway, having to watch my mom come in that day. And um, I'm going to back up for just a second, and um, I'm going to focus again on, on why, why we're doing, I got a little ahead of myself, why we're really doing this series, and, 
and part of the reason why. Um, and I'm going to use a, a narrative from the Bible. It's a story from the, the New Testament, and it's recorded by a guy named Luke. Um, Luke was a physician who later recorded the story of Jesus, wrote it down, kind of became a, a historian himself. And he records this narrative of a, a priest. He's a Jewish priest. His name's Zechariah. And Zechariah is doing his priestly business. He goes into the temple to perform his priestly duties. And uh, he probably just thought it was going to be another day, you know, going through the motions, doing his priestly thing. And all of a sudden, uh, an angel appears to him. It's an angel who has a name. His, angel, his name is Gabriel. And Gabriel speaks to Zechariah and Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth are, are old and, and they've never been able to have children. And this angel tells him, gives him this message and says, you and your wife Elizabeth, you're going to have a child and his name is going to be John. And Zechariah, you know, he's amazed, obviously. I mean, I know that's never happened to me. Any of you ever had a named angel appear to you and tell you what's going to happen? It'd be nice. I would appreciate it, but it's never happened. Not yet anyway. Still holding out hope. But this angel appears to him, tells him you're going to have a son and, and you're, you're to name him John. And in that moment, Zechariah is actually struck mute so he can't speak. So he comes out of the temple and, and months go by and he still can't speak. And his wife Elizabeth becomes pregnant with this child and the baby is eventually born. And everybody says, what do we name him? What do we name him? Well, let's name him after his father. Let's name him Zechariah, just like his, his dad. And then Zechariah actually writes down. And says, no, his, his name is John. And in that moment, Zechariah is given his speech back. He can, he can speak again. We come to know this child later in the narrative as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He's, he believes that he is sent as a messenger ahead of Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. And this is what John the Baptist's father, when John is born, Zechariah, this is what he says when he can first speak. He says, because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from the heaven will break upon us. And so the God that, that we're talking about is a God of compassion. And when we look at these topics and these subjects that we've been covering for several weeks now, a lot of them come at it as if it's from a God of judgment. And I just want all of you to hear that, that the God that, that we name in this space is a God of deep compassion. And Zechariah goes on to say that this is why. It's to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. And so why are we talking about these issues? Why are we talking about these heavy topics? The reason why we're talking about them is to shine light into dark spaces. And it's a specific light that we're trying to shine into some dark places. And if we can go back to, to my story for just a minute, that was many, many years ago when that happened. Um, so far, it's, it's ended pretty well. I mean, it's gone pretty well, actually, since then. Um, there were a lot of things that happened from that moment. My parents, uh, I, I'm so appreciative to them. They, they could have handled it many ways. Um, I don't even know if in the moment they realized how well they handled that situation looking back on it now. Um, but what struck me at that time was that I had all of these people in my life 
my parents, my coaches, my teachers, my Sunday school teachers, all of these people who had poured into my life up to that point, all of these people who wanted good things for me. And here in one moment, I had basically let them all down. I had disappointed them all, most of all my parents. And the remorse I felt in that moment, ultimately, I think, is what changed my path. And so it was in that time and in that season when I came to know a couple of guys who were involved with an organization called Young Life. For those of you that aren't familiar, Young Life is an organization that um, goes into high schools and develops relationships with high school students, especially high school students um, who are not churched, who don't have a lot of experience in church, or for um, students like me who have a whole lot of experience of church but haven't really figured out like what church is all about. And so there are a couple guys, Gary and Rob were their names, and uh, they really, they were just there for me during this time of life. Um, I never received any judgment from them. Um, they were, they just discipled me, discipled me really well during this time of my life and showed me what, what church really is, not the organized institution that I thought it was, but it's a group of people with a particular belief and it's a group of people with a particular hope. And so they helped me to understand that and understand that, you know, it's about a relationship, a relationship with this person, Jesus. Um, and, and it was in that time that my life was completely changed. And I really was, in that season, a new person. I mean, the old desires went away. Um, I had a new purpose, a new meaning in life, and a new peace, just like Zechariah prophesies about, just like he talks about when he can finally speak, that God ultimately wants to put those who are sitting in darkness on a path to peace. And so it's really hard for me because that was so many years ago to go back into that mindset that I had because it was so different than the mindset that I've had ever since. But I have to go back. I have to put myself back in that mindset that I had up to that point in my life in order for me to empathize with those who are still there. And so when it comes to people, especially young people, students, and young adults um, who regularly use alcohol, who regularly use drugs, recreational or otherwise, I have to go back to that mindset and put myself in it in order to remember where they are. And it helps me to have empathy and it helps me to go back and put myself in their shoes. And here's the thing about that mindset for me. Those who have a problem with drugs and alcohol don't think there is a problem with drugs and alcohol. Especially when you first get involved and you first get started. That those who have a problem with drugs and alcohol don't think that there is a problem with drugs and alcohol, at least not until sometimes it's too late. And so to go back and put myself in that mindset that I had at that season, in that season, at that stage of life, helps me to remember why people make that decision. And so we'll come back to that in just a minute. And I was trying to think how... How do I come at this topic? How do I come at this issue? And as I was doing research and I was watching videos and reading 
I was amazed at, at how typical the response is from the church. As I was reading things coming out of the church and other pastors, um, they were all kind of in the same category as far as the message around the use of drugs and alcohol. It was all very typical. And, and to me, none of it resonated. I, it wasn't something that I wanted to join in and to share. I wanted to give a new perspective, something fresh maybe um, from the standpoint of the church. And then I thought, well, I'll just, I'll say, you know, what the Bible says about this, right? I'll say what the Bible says about alcohol and drugs. And, and the Bible says a lot. It says a lot in a lot of different places. And as I was thinking about going that direction and, and using um, that strategy of saying what the Bible says, I remembered that people don't care what the Bible says. <laughs> I mean, seriously, people in the church don't care what the Bible says, right? People outside the church definitely don't care what the Bible says. I mean, they might be interested, but I think that how much different would the church itself look today if people cared what the Bible said? And so I thought, that's a totally different message, by the way. That's next series. But I thought, you know, that's not going to work. Just kind of saying what the Bible says about it. But there is one particular passage that I want to focus on this morning that I think would be helpful for all of us, whether you're in the church or out of the church or whatever it is that you believe coming into this time today. And, and it's, a, it's a passage that references alcohol, but it's really funny the way that it does it. These are the words of Jesus, and they're also recorded by Luke later in his gospel, in his story, in his narrative. And it's Jesus who is teaching to a group of people. And he talks about John the Baptist. And he talks about the response that people have to John the Baptist versus the response that people have to him. And he's talking about the way that people judge what John the Baptist did and did not do. And then people judge what Jesus did and did not do. And then he follows um, these couple statements with, with an incredible line. And it's a line that we could just kind of skip over or we could think, that's interesting or I don't really get that and just kind of move on to the next narrative because it's right at the end of one particular passage. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say, he has a demon. Now Jesus is talking to a group of people and John the Baptist, for those of you who know or who don't know, um, he was kind of a strange guy. He was kind of weird. He lived out in the wilderness. Um, we're actually told what he ate. He ate locusts and wild honey. Anybody? I didn't think so either. I mean, wild honey, that's kind of hot right now. That's a big thing, right? That's a trend, local honey, I guess. Um, so that's the thing. But locusts, not so much. Right? Not a lot of experience uh, eating locusts. And so he looked different, he talked differently, um, he dressed differently, he ate differently, and so people thought he was a weirdo and thought, hey, he must have a demon, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't eat what we eat, he doesn't drink what we drink, um, he's strange, he's weird, there must be something wrong with him. Now the same group of people that said that about John the Baptist, here's what they say about Jesus, he says, yet the human one, and this is a term in this particular translation where Jesus is referring to himself, other translations may say son of man or son of God. Yet the human one came 
eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so did you know that they accused Jesus of being a drunk? Did you know that he was accused of of being a drunk because he participated in the lives of everybody, everyday people, the people who were just kind of living their life, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what the purpose was, what the meaning was. Yeah, he didn't really hang out a lot with the religious people who acted like they had it all together, who acted like they had it all figured out. Instead, he kind of spent most of his time um, with those who would be deemed um, unclean. And so the same group of people look at John the Baptist and they say, he doesn't eat or drink. He's weird, he's strange, he has a demon. Then they look at Jesus and say, well, He eats and he drinks. He's a glutton and a drunk. And so you can't really go off of what other people say when they look at your life. Everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody is going to have a judgment on you. It's just kind of what we do as humans. We just judge each other. Whether we say it or express it or not, we we judge each other. It's what we do. And then Jesus says something really interesting when he follows this narrative. This is what Jesus said. Don't miss this. But wisdom is proved to be right by all her descendants. You think, well, that's strange. What does that mean? What does that have anything to do with John the Baptist and not eating, not drinking, and you eating and drinking and being called names? Wisdom is proved to be right by all her descendants. So it's not, it's not the decision today that decides where we'll be in the future. We don't know the future of the decisions that we make today until we get there. The decisions that we make now, we don't necessarily know the future until we get to the future. And so Jesus here says, wisdom is proved right. So was John right? Or was Jesus right? Because they did different things. So for John, wisdom for him looked one way. And for Jesus, wisdom for him looked another way. And so we can't decide that we all have the same exact standards in life. Because what's wise for you may not be wise for someone else, but you don't know until you get into the future. And so what I want to focus on this morning is your future. Your future. Whether you're here in the room this morning or you're watching online this morning, I want you to try to move your mind into your future. For me, in my life, I get caught up in today. What should I do right now? What would be best right now? What would be easiest right now? What would be most fun and most fulfilling right now? And certainly at other seasons of my life, I mean, there was no thought of the future. I never even thought about a future 
today was all there is. And I think especially having worked in student ministry, having worked with teenagers, today is all there is when you're in that season of life, when you're in that stage of life. Everything is about today. There is no tomorrow. It's just not the way you think. And so I want to challenge you to think about tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and the year after that. Because when you start to think about your future, it's going to impact the decisions that you make today. And I want to borrow a quote from a pastor who I read a lot and who I watch a lot. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard of him. His name is Andy Stanley. He has what he calls um, the best question ever. It's a book he wrote. It was a series he preached many years ago. And this is ultimately, for him, the best question ever. He asks, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, is this a wise decision? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, is this a wise decision? The most important word in this question is future. Picture your future. Think about your future. Think about what are your hopes, what are your dreams? Because there are seasons in life when you think what you do today doesn't matter for your future. You have a pictured future and you think you're just going to get there, but it doesn't work that way. You don't just wind up at your preferred future. What you do today and the decisions you make today lead you to your future directly. And so as we think about these questions, maybe, maybe you don't have an issue when it comes to alcohol or drug use. I'm sure most of us probably don't. The statistics are very closely tied to education as well. And the figures are much, much higher for those um, who possess a high school a degree or less as an adult versus those who um, have made it through higher education. And so given our demographic, most of us who are, are in this space, um, chances, statistically speaking, are slim that you yourself probably have a, a problem with alcohol or drug use, but maybe you know somebody, maybe you have a family member, maybe you have a friend, maybe you have a coworker, maybe you have a neighbor who you can consider and you can go to them and you can Say, have you, have you considered your future? What is your preferred future? What is your preferred future? Because the decisions that you make today lead to your future. And sometimes you don't know if they're wise until you get into your future. So you better be very deliberate and intentional and careful about the decisions that you make today. And so I, I hope that you can find that helpful. I hope that's a helpful question for you. And it's something that is applicable and extends beyond, of course, just you know, the topic of, of drug use and alcohol. But it's one that I felt we needed to address specifically in, in this series. But ultimately, here's what I want you to hear. Is that whatever it is you're looking for from the use of drugs and alcohol... Whatever it is that you're trying to fulfill in your life through the use of drugs 
and alcohol. Only Jesus can provide what you're looking to fulfill through drugs and alcohol. And that's my story. And that's why I share it. Because it's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing. But if God can take it and he can use it for his honor and for his glory, then I'm happy to share it. If it leads others to understand, you know what? Maybe there's a different future for me. Maybe there's a different future for me. Maybe I don't have to go through this. You know, your story, especially for those of you who are younger, um, especially for those of you who may be watching online and want to share this with your students, with your children, you know, your story doesn't have to be my story. You can just choose it. You can just choose it for yourself. And so whatever it is that you're trying to use drugs and alcohol to fulfill in your life, only Jesus can provide. And so ultimately, I hope that that's the message that you receive in all of this. And I'm not saying alcohol is bad, don't drink. I'm not even going to tell you what my personal opinion is on that because it doesn't matter. Because you will have to make decisions and choices. You're going to have to be self-aware about your life and about yourself and about your family and about your friends. And so if we just take this question about in light of our prior experience, in light of our current circumstance, in light especially of the future of our hopes and our dreams, is this wise? And whatever it is that you're trying to fulfill in your life through the use of drugs, through the use of alcohol, I promise only Jesus can fulfill for you. Can I pray for you?